Good evening, Demon fans, and welcome back to the Demonland podcast. My name is Andy, and in a moment, I'll be joined by my Demonland podcast co-hosts, George and Bin Man, and we'll be having a chat with former Demon player and now current Premiership winning assistant coach, Adam Uze. There is a lot to talk to Adam about, including his playing career, as well as his current role at the footy club. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, please subscribe for our regular weekly podcast where we wrap up the latest match and preview the next one. You can find us on your favourite Apple or Android podcasting apps. But first, Adam Uze. Our guest tonight needs no introduction, but we'll give him one anyway. He played 271 games and kicked 234 goals for the Demons between 1995 and 2008. In his first year at the club, he was awarded the Harold Ball Memorial Trophy for Best First Year Player, and then in his second year he received an AFL Rising Star nomination. He took out the Keith Bluey Truscott Medal for the D's Best and Fairest in 2001 and was an All-Australian in 2002. After his playing career, he entered the coaching arena where he was fortunate enough to learn the craft from one of the best modern-day coaches in Alistair Clarkson and was subsequently involved in the Hawks' three-peat. In 2021, he triumphantly returned home to the Demons to take up the mantle of assistant coach in charge of our talented midfield and help to mould them into the formidable premiership-winning midfield. Welcome to the Demonland podcast, Adam Uze. Thanks for that, guys. Yeah, good to be here. Adam, uh, you've been involved in footy ever since you stopped playing at the elite level, uh, so you have a terrific perspective on how the game has evolved. Uh, since your playing days, uh, what have been the biggest changes to how AFL footy is played in in the general sense and also tactically? Yeah, obviously a fair bit's changed um, on both sides of the ball and the way that obviously teams defend and attack. So. Um, I think something that's um, gone back to the way that we used to play is obviously the centre bounce with six six six, and um, so uh, that's the only real part of the game that's the same as um, what it was when we played. But um, yeah, the team team offense and team defense. So most teams are defending as a group, um, and obviously getting up the ground a lot higher than what um, teams did or what forward lines did in, in the past, and 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 a collective offense as well. So. Um, yeah, less 1v1s and more um, team offense um, is the way that our teams are going these days. So, yeah, just more, I suppose there's more numbers around the ball. And um, like I said, the teams are defending and, and attacking as a group rather than individually. Thanks, Adam. Um, before we get into some questions about your current role at the D's, um, I was interested in what other sports, if any, you draw inspiration from in terms of sort of feeding into your thinking about tactics and strategies and game plans. I know a lot of the coaches in their off-season, um, you know, when they can travel to and, and go to other sporting clubs, and Clarko's well-known for that. Um, yeah, so I was interested in what other sports you sort of look at from um, from a tactic and sort of strategy game plans um, sense. Yeah, well, um, it's hard because obviously our game's a lot different and uh, different to the majority of um, sports around the world, but you can, uh, when I've traveled around um, into obviously overseas and things like that, trying to um, find little things that we can bring within our game. So it might not be tactics as such, 
but in regards to NFL, they've um, they've got teams within a team, so their offense and defense and uh, special teams aren't out on the field at the same time. So um, things that you can get from NFL in the way that they um, have their own line mantras and things like that, and um, how how tight knit a line can be, um, based on the fact that they're obviously they're the only ones out there. So, um, so going to an NFL team, you can you can dig in a little bit deeper on how they've come up with those mantras and things like that, and and what um, trademarks they've got for each line. Um, but for us, um, I've gone to NBA teams and things like that, and and looked at the way that. Um, or the way that they review turnover. So our, our games are a turnover games. So um, you can go to NBL or NBA and um, really dig in and hone into um, their terminology around turnover, whether it's defensively or offensively. So, um, yeah, I've tried to each time I've gone over to do any sort of personal dev- development was going over there with a plan um, based on what sport I was visiting and, and hopefully coming back with – um, some sort of little um, gold nugget that might be able to, um, yeah, excite the players. So, um, yeah, enjoy doing that each year. Terrific, thanks. Uh, Adam, I think you bought some gold nuggets back last year, so well done with that. And the the role of the tagger um, seems to go in and out of fashion. Uh, some clubs seem to enjoy the, employ the tactic regularly, whereas others use it sparingly or not even at all. The Ds seem to fall into the latter category and uh, Stephen May, when he was interviewed post the Bulldogs game, claimed that we don't tag. Is that is that an accurate assessment? And are we confident in our ability to win our own ball rather than trying to ne- uh, negate the opposition mids? Oh, there's a little bit of a bit of both. I wouldn't say that we don't tag. There was games last year where we where Jack Viney did have a reference to um, Ollie Wines in, in one of the games, and um, so there were and Tom Mitchell at one stage against the Hawks. So um, yeah, I think a lot of teams are uh, a little bit reluctant to start with a tagger because you can get manipulated a little bit. Um, but there's no doubt that each team in their what ifs and um, the discussion and um, the planning going into each game would be speaking about if a player is getting on top of us, um, who would who could we go to, who could we tag, sort of thing, and who would we tag him with. So um, yeah, I'm, we don't not tag. The hardest thing with the majority of the teams that um, defend as a group is that if you've got a player running around chasing just one individual player, it's hard to play team defence. So. Um, that's why I think coaches are reluctant to fully tag someone. But, yeah, we're, there's no reason why we can't. And we have um, just had a reference for certain players at stoppages and things like that to minimise their influence for sure. Adam, I love Goody coaching from the bench. The Sound the Alarm series on AFL On Demand where Goody was mic'd up uh, was a great example of him being able to provide his troops with immediate feedback as they came off the field and be able to give them instruction and encouragement in real time. Uh, your current role has you and the other assistants up in the box and there aren't many current coaches coaching from the boundary. It seems to be working for Goody. What are your thoughts on coaching from the boundary and what is your personal preference? Should you hypothetically uh, get the chance at a top job uh, perhaps this year, even during the health for health and safety protocols, as we've seen some assistants be called upon to do this year, or when you hopefully get your own coaching gig? 
yeah, it's a hard one. I, well, personally, I, I think if I was to start as a senior coach, I'd, I'd want to be sitting up in the box. And um, I think your initial first or two, first or um, second year of coaching, you want to get an understanding and make sure the players are, um, have got your game plan down pat and um, you're really comfortable with um, the way your game's um, sitting. So um, with Goody, it's it's obviously not Goody's first year of coaching. So he, he feels really comfortable in the way that we play. We've got a pretty predictable game style. So, um, yeah, so for him to be able to go down and, and coach from the bench, you can coach the emotion um, and the spirit of the players down there and, and still have a good eye for um, what's happening out on the field, obviously, system-wise. So, yeah, I think if it, it's a little bit horses for courses based on, um, yeah, your, one, your experience, and then two, um, probably the confidence you've got in the coaches upstairs as well. So, uh, yeah, we, we've got a really good uh, mix at the moment. We've got a guy that in Alan Richardson that's obviously coached before, so he sits up there and helps us with the um, the, the mood of the box. Um, so he's obviously uh, a really handy um, person to have upstairs as well. And, and then I'm obviously connected to Goody the whole time as well, so based on my role with stoppages and, and offense. So, um, yeah, we we really enjoy what we're doing, and, and like I said, we get we get a really good balance of um, me or us guys looking at the structure and the method and, and things like that from upstairs. And Goody obviously can keep an eye on it down there, but more um, coaching the um, yeah the the spirit um, and the and the mood of the players down on the bench and have hands on coaching down there. So we've got a nice blend. It's interesting, Adam. You were talking about the NFL because. Of course, a senior coach, and in fact, all the line coaches as well, aren't they? they all are on the ground. Um, so, you know, the goody in that sense is it's a bit more like NFL and being, you know, with the players all the time. Um, yeah, it is. Yeah, in the NFL, I think the offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator are the only two that sit upstairs. So, um, yeah, they, they keep an eye on obviously the patterns and things because you do you do get a better look from upstairs with patterns and, um, and structures. So... Um, yeah, and then they relay that down to the coach, and that's what we do. And how often are you in contact with Goody? Like, like, is it pretty constant, or or it's on demand? Yeah, no. Well, mine has to be constant based on the fact that my roles um, involve the two areas of the game. That if you are going to make a, an adjustment, it's around stoppage, around structure, um, which I look after, and then around the way that you move in the ball. So, and um, based on the fact that my role is about our offense. Um, yeah, so we're constantly in, in contact each week. So sort of speaking of, of your role in terms of the midfielders, um, we're blessed to have a plethora of midfielders to choose from um, who are all really more than capable of holding their own in the middle. Um, midfield, midfield rotations and managing minutes of players has become a sports science in itself. Um, as a midfield coach, how much input do you have on the rotations and minutes or is that solely the domain of the elite performance team? No, within the rotations, it's that's done downstairs um, and on the bench with our with our fitness staff. But um, what what I can have a say in is the fact that we I, I, we hope and we expect our players to be able to move forward and play a forward role for us. So rather than just rotating on and off the bench, having a having a secondary role that you can go and play and and have a real impact when you go forward. So you would have noticed this year. Uh, Gorney being able to go down and play forward a little bit more so he can give Jacko a go in the, in the ruck. One, one, it obviously helps with Jacko's um, development, but two, Gorney going down there and playing a forward line, a forward 
position for us at a really high level is really important for us. So, um, yeah, so we, we, we expect that the, all of our midfielders to be able to go and play forward and, and play forward really well. So, um, But the actual rotations and when they go on and off the ground are all based on the fitness staff downstairs. Thanks, Aaron. Just um, while I'm talking about midfielders, um, and you mentioned Viney, Jack seems to, he's having a great season. And I know it's like one of the first times he's had a, a good crack at it in the preseason, but his kicking seems to have really improved. He's making really good decisions and um, he's really sort of seems to have improved uh, in that area. And, and I think we're getting much more sort of oomph from him. Is that is that your sense too, that he's in, he's in good nick and um, has improved his game? Yeah, yeah. So, no, we think he's we think he's still got a little bit of improvement to go. Um, and the main reason for that is he's um, being able to um, uh, finish a whole preseason. So he's always had issues with his feet and things like that, where he hasn't been able to um, grind out a full preseason. And this year he has. So when you're talking about the the finer details of your game, like like your kicking inside fifty and your efficiency and things like that, you need time to work on those things. So. Um, he's had the ability to do that the last couple of years. So hopefully you start to see the benefit of that because he is a beautiful kick and um, there's no reason why he shouldn't be. Um, technically, he's a great kick. So, um, yeah, I'm with you. I think that's a that's a growth in his game that's starting to improve and I think it can, and he can take that even further, which is good to see. Excellent. Adam, Word of the month in sorry, word of the month in AFL circles is momentum, and we've seen some huge momentum swings and a run on of opposition goals in a number of matches, and particularly we saw it in the final round in 2021 against the Cats, and famously, of course, in the grand final, but also in round one of this season, <clears throat> the team seems to have a remarkable ability not to not panic or to reset, and then be able to not only wrestle back control, but then go on to dominate their opponent. This team seems to have the confidence and belief that they can do this. How do you and the coaching staff instill into the playing group this belief in themselves and the systems and the processes so they can pick themselves up and shift the momentum of the match back into to our favour? Yeah, I think having a, um, a really clear game plan helps with that and... Um, so and we're 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 really fortunate, obviously, with our, with the midfield that we've got that we don't have to adjust too many things within that midfield. So, um, yeah, we've got a terrific leadership group that have been together for a fair uh, fair few years now. So they they get a real um, sense of how the game's tracking out there, and um, and obviously, Goody's got a real good handle on um, momentum shifts and and whether our game's in um, in good state. So. Um, yeah, I think there's a blend of all of that. I think, yeah, clarity in the way that we play and real clarity in the way that when things aren't working, our players and, our, and us as coaches, we, we, we get a real clear understanding of why. So um, the hardest thing with momentum shifts and things like that is if you're at a, if you're at a team when you don't know why. Um, so we feel like we're in a, in a, in a, a nice little position on yeah, whether – um, whether we've got the momentum or not, we understand the reasons why. So, um, and that's not, like I said, not just the coaches, the players have a really good sense of that. And um, our small adjustments that we can make, they go out and execute it. So it's full credit to them. And, and we seem to be really strong at not not allowing opposition teams to take sort of full 
sort of advantage of the momentum they're getting, which seems to be an advantage. We've got other teams are giving up big runs of goals. I guess we have two at different stages, but um, not as often as other teams seem to this season at least. So, um, Goody's often talked, uh, since he's been coach, and I've heard this before from other coaches, that idea of two seasons, the home and away season, and then finals is, a, is another season. Um, given we're coming off um, a short pre-season um, you know, for, for a very good reason, having won the um, premiership, we're in new territory, I guess, in terms of getting through this home and away season uh, and being cherry ripe for the finals. Um, we also have a you know taxing game plan that requires lots of running, lots of contested footy, obviously, is important. Given those factors, what are some of the strategies that might be employed by us this season to uh, get us through the home and away without spending all our petrol tickets, still making top four, which no doubt is the goal, uh, and then peaking for finals? Um, yeah, I think it's a – well, it's probably not fair to say, but I think it's a bit of a myth on um, feeling like we've had a small, a shorter pre-season. It, the, the current landscape is the fact that the teams that make the um, – whether you make the finals or not, you can't start training until December the 6th. Um, uh, and I think it's two weeks before that when your first of four-year players can um, start. So there, at no stage were any teams allowed to start before late November. So um, I think it actually is a bit of an advantage that you, you keep you, that you're actually playing during the month of um, September. So teams that don't make the finals, all they can do is train away from the club until November the 22nd. So... I get it that they're they're allowed to train individually by themselves, but the majority of the players that um, that have played finals and our boys did exactly that is that they're that good at training by themselves at, um, when they're at home um, that they come to training on day one ready to ready to go. So um, I think we're, we're I think we're at a little bit of an advantage based on the fact that we didn't have so many weeks at home um, where you have to train by yourself. So. Um, yeah, so we're really happy with the way our boys um, rocked up on day one. We've had a lot of guys that have ran PBs in their four one ks and um, which is really exciting after having a really strong year. So um, yeah, we've got full faith in our fitness staff and the program they put together um, while they were away. And then obviously once they um, turn up on day one, they've they've attacked their training. Um, or obviously led by our leadership group and um yeah they're, they're, they're training from day one and um have been uh, ready to go from the minute they walked into the doors adam we're seeing the emergence of a genuine superstar in uh, front of our very eyes in luke jackson i imagine that as he's career progresses, we'll start to see a shift in his rucking minutes as he begins to take more of the centre bounce attendances. As midfield coach, is this, is that something that you have a large input uh, towards or does that fall to Greg Stafford as the ruck coach or does it fall to the elite performance team? Uh, well, it's a little bit of both. Uh, all of us will come up with a, um, a plan, but the hardest thing with Jacko is obviously he's still developing. He's only um, in his second or third year, and um, so he's still developing his ruck craft. And we've and we've got an amazing ruck in Gorney. So being able to manipulate 
obviously, and work with Gorney in with his, within his game time. So um, we really we're really happy with the way the Jacko's um, developing, not only as a ruckman but as a forward. So we expect Jacko to. Um, when he is playing as a forward to play as a pure forward and be really dangerous when he's down there. So um, the mix, the, the blend of both is working really well now, but there will come a time where we we will need him to step up and obviously take um, more of the load off Gorney. So, but right now, I think we've got a really good blend. Um, you would have noticed even on the weekend, there was, um, there was some quarters where he actually did start the centre bounce um, at the start of a quarter, which is yeah, pretty unusual for Gorney. So, but... Um, but he's Gorney's embraced, like I said, not only helping Jacko and giving him more game time, but he's embraced playing forward because he's a very, very good forward. So, um, yeah, we, we've got a nice little blend there for sure. And he'll probably extend his career as well, uh, Gorney's, you would expect. Yeah, correct. <laughs> On Jacko, Adam, do you see any sort of chance at any point, given how incredibly athletic he is for, um, although both both Gorn and um, Jackson, but obviously Jacko in terms of how incredibly athletic he is for such a big guy. Do you ever see an occasion where um, he might be in midfield to Gorney or he might be in mid and Gorney rucking? Uh, yeah, possibly as a pinch hit, but um, yeah, I think, I think Jacko's strength is his mobility and, um, his athleticism when he's up against a ruckman. Um, when you're actually playing as a midfielder, you're up against Pontepelli and yeah. and and Christian Petraka. So I'm not sure his agility will look as strong against those sort of guys. But um, the advantage you get from Jacko playing in a ruck is the fact that he's like another midfielder when the ball hits the deck. But it is against his ruckman. So um, yeah, we've got to be a little bit careful that we don't try to add too many things into his game. Uh, what we do really want is Jacko to be the best ruckman he can be when he's in there and uh, keep developing that part of his game and and as I said he, and and be a really strong forward when he's um, in in the forward line so um, yeah we, we've got to be a little bit careful and um, getting too tricky you know, with him for sure. Last season we saw both Tom Sparrow and James Jordan take the next step up and not only join the midfield rotation but provide valuable service and genuine contribution. Uh, Tommy Sparrow uh, in particular had a fantastic game in the granny. You must be pretty pleased with the way their careers are tracking. Uh, who do you believe the next one of our young, next one of our youngsters who will likely crack it into the midfield will be? Yeah. Yeah. I'm really proud of the way they, they play. Like they were terrific from the minute I walked into the door, you could see that they, they both, they live together, that they, they train, they train together, they push each other at training and they're really competitive. So um, you could see that um, they just wanted to um, improve their game every, every day, every minute that they walked into the door. So um, yeah, really proud of the way they finished off the year. And um, yeah, it was unlucky that JJ ended up playing as a sub in the grand final, but um, his 23 games that he played were really consistent. And then obviously Tommy got a, um, a look in, in the final series and had a really strong final series. So, um, yeah, they're improvement and we, we, and we can see some huge upside in both of those players moving forward as well. They haven't hit their peak for sh- at any, at, by any stretch. So, um, but we've got some really talented um, midfielders coming through uh, in some of our younger wingers. Like Blake Howes is in an emergency for this week's game and, um, and Taj Rawoda. They're both uh, in really good form on the wing um, down at Casey. Uh, so we'd expect, or we could know, there's no reason why they couldn't walk into um, our senior team and, 
and really hold themselves in good stead. So, um, yeah, we've got some young talent underneath, which is a, a nice thing as well. And James Jordan, it was brilliant thinking, giving him 23, because he, he plays a lot like um, Junior McDonald, doesn't he, in the way he's, he's such a natural footballer and he's smart and he's the way he moves. So he's, a, he's been, yeah, he's a terrific young player. Um, speaking yeah, he does. He's Sorry. the same, and, and off field, he's, he's really similar too. He's unassuming, and um, he'd be, he's just a terrific teammate. So, um, as Junior was when we played, so um, yeah, it's a good analogy. Um, and speaking of mids, we've brought another one in, Luke Dunstan, in um, to the fold from the Saints. Um, it seemed to be a, a fantastic bargain from our from out from the D's perspective. Um, he's proven performer, polled eleven votes last year. Um, he's going to find it hard to crack into our midfield, I would have thought. Um, it, it, you know, in terms of is it seems that he's playing the role of a, an understudy and he's waiting for that chance to get his opportunity. How's he tracking um, and where's he at? Yeah, well, his form at, at VFL level is obviously um, elite. So he's, um, yeah, it's fair to say he's, probably, he's too good for VFL footy, but right now he, he just... We don't have a spot for him, so there, there'll be opportunity. There could be opportunities for him to come in as a sub in the next few weeks. And um, but we do need, we do want to have a good look at him, and and we know that what he can produce at AFL level is it can be at a high standard. So um, yeah, the way he's brought into our team and the way he's um, gelled into our club has been terrific. So the boys love him already, and um, and with Luke, it's it's not a one year thing that we would hope that he gets in. Um, tries to get involved straight away and make, and if he doesn't um, jump into our team straight away, that things aren't looking good. Like he's here for, he's a long-term prospect for us. He's, um, he's only mid twenties and he's got a lot of footy ahead of him. So um, yeah, he gives us some really nice balance and, and some depth that we've got no issue that we, if we needed to go to him um, and we will have to go to him at some stage during the year um, that he'll hold himself in good stead because he's a terrific young player and, I'm looking forward to seeing what he can produce when he gets in there. And he must um, he must be pretty confident in his own ability to choose to come to a club with such a super strong midfield. So, yeah, correct. And 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 the reason why he was looking elsewhere was the fact that he wasn't getting as much as a of a go as what he thought he was at the Saints. So, um, yeah, it's a it's a credit to him that he feels like he can come to a club and and have an impact and. And like I said, what I've seen so far, there's no reason why he can't. He's just he's just biding his time, and when he gets his chance, he'll take it with both hands for sure. Adam, <clears throat> Adam, moving on to your playing career a little, um, we all have our favourite uh, Adam Uze moment from the past. But what a number of our listeners wanted to know was what is your favourite memory or moment or highlight uh, of your career. Oh, it's probably my favourite and my least favourite, and, and it's obviously our grand final year. So being being able to play in an AFL grand final um, has a lot of obviously highs throughout that year. So you, you obviously win enough games to end up in the top four, which is obviously um, a successful season, and then um, lucky enough to win a couple of finals to um, to play in the big dance. So um, yeah, that season for mine. Um, the memories of playing any sort of final um, and big game is something that always um, that's always in your in your in your mind and and always in your thoughts. So, um, but yeah, big finals like that and making a grand final, the whole lead, the lead up to that was an amazing week. So, um, yeah, I've got some good memories of playing days for sure. 
uh, you were fortunate enough to play in 12 finals, including that grand final, yet you never won the elusive flag as a player. Uh, 98 and 2000 are two years uh, where we probably were a genuine chance during your playing career. Um, I, I guess I rate uh, 98 higher. Uh, you know, we had beaten the uh, eventual premiers in Adelaide and then ultimately lost to North in the prelim. And then in 2000, despite our incredible finals run, it was always going to be a difficult task against Essendon, who incredibly almost had a clean sheet of a season. How did you rate those years? And do you recall your feelings about our chances in those seasons? Uh, do you think we could have snatched a flag? Uh, yeah, I don't think we would have snatched it. I think we played well enough to um, to win it. Uh, we just come up against really strong teams, as you said. I said in an only lost one game. I thought in 2002 we had a really good chance yeah. and um, played some amazing finals uh, or two really strong finals that year and, and um, ended up just falling short as well. So, um, yeah, the toughest thing is obviously in, in our time we come up against Brisbane Lions, which were one of the strongest teams going around at one they go on three-peat and, and the grand final we play against a team that's lost one game for the year in, in the Bombers. But um, I do mention to Goody a fair bit that the 98 season, we did flog them in the, first, in the, in the yes, final. thank you. 40-odd 40, 40 points and, and I do um, remind him of, of, of that daily. So, um, but yeah, they were obviously good enough to bounce back and, and win the flag. But yeah, those those few years there, we, we were... The, main, the good thing for us was, or the most exciting thing was that we, we kept showing up and having a crack at it and, and getting pretty close. So um, when you're doing that, you're winning a lot of games of footy and winning some, um, winning some finals, which is good fun. We should see if we can organise Andy to get a journo to ask uh, Goody about that game in, uh, in one of his post-match <laughs> no, he, he ends up with the last laugh because they obviously won the flag. But, yeah. Um, I think back then it wasn't that it was a different final series, so they, they end up staying in. They, they didn't drop out that first week based on the different uh, final series set up. So yeah, and that um, was just the one year, wasn't it? The only that they they went back to the old um, model of the year. Yeah. After, so. Another yeah. year we were robbed. <laughs> um, <laughs> in your career, you played with uh, just some legends and of the footy club: Steinsy, Lyon. Um, Viney, the Lovitz, Phoebe's, David Schwartz, David Neitz, Farmer, um, as you said, Junior McDonald, Jeff White, Wowoden, Robinson, Brad Green. There's such a fantastic list of, of um, players and it goes on and on. I know it's a big call and it's probably a hard one to who, – who do you think was the best of the play, of, of the players you played with, I guess, in talent and, well, best however you want to define it, I guess. Yeah, yeah well, that's a hard one. I've got, I've got a lot of – really close friends that I played, obviously played a lot of footy with. But when you talk talent, I, I can't go past Wizard. Um, Jeff Farmer could do things on the field that no one could do. And, and I then and then I eerily coached Sil Rioli that was really similar. Like you, you'd, um, you'd watch him do things on the field. It's just like, I, I don't, you can't coach that and you can't let alone replicate it. So, um, yeah, Wizard had uh, – talent-wise, Wizard was um, – Above all of them, but I, I and, it, and to be fair, I only I only played a handful a handful of seasons with um, the greats of like Jimmy Steins, Gary Lyon, and Todd Viney. They were they were childhood heroes of mine, and um, watching them grow up. When I grew up in Shep, um, Gary Lyon was a Kyabran boy, and think guys like that that were just amazing to obviously be in the change rooms with. But um, but I played a lot of footy with David Neitz, and David Neitz is 
um, yeah, by far. Well, not by far, that's not fair. Um, he was just a beacon. He, he was a, um, an amazing leader, amazing player, um, super resilient and um, just a terrific guy. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think talent-wise it was, it was wizard, but, yeah, Nita would have been um, the one that was uh, the best player I've played with. And shorter pre's first knee injury must have been something to watch in terms of his raw talent. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I actually played in the under 18s um, final in 1994 at the MCG before the Melbourne um, Bulldogs game, where Schwarter played an amazing game at centre half forward and kicked five, and Gary Lyon kicked 10. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I played the curtain raiser to that, and then the following year got drafted to the D's, and and Schwarter did his knee at training. So, um, yeah, it was a bit sad that we didn't get to see the best of him, and but to come back from what he went through, to still, um, I think he won a best of Paris after that. Um, yeah, he was a terrific player as well. Adam, you have an, an impressive record uh, both on and off the field, um, and uh, an impressive resume as an assistant coach. You've learned your role at the feet of one of the greatest modern day coaches in Alistair Clarkson and have been involved in three premierships of the Hawks. You made a triumphant return to the Demons and in your very first year with the Demons, you've had a fourth premiership. So you you must be jumping out of your skin to get your own coaching uh, gig given this um, credentials that you have. Yeah, it would be nice if that was if it was that easy that you could just walk into a club and you win flags. But um, yeah, I was I, like my time at Hawthorne. I was really fortunate. I I got there in 2012 just as a part time um, runner and and witnessed witnessed the Hawks losing a grand final that they should never have lost. And um, but the learnings they got from that um, were the was the catalyst for them winning the next three flags and uh, being able to sit there and. Uh, watch the coaching staff develop a trademark and things like that and watch the playing group uh, buy into a trademark and um, and really buy, buy into a game plan that they believed in um, was something that I hold really closely now. So, um, yeah, really fortunate to not only work with Clarko. Clarko is an amazing coach and, um, yeah, someone I re- respect really highly. But along that journey, I've been up, was lucky enough to coach with Luke Beveridge, um, Adam Simpson, Leon Cameron. Um, these guys have gone on to obviously coach their own teams now. So they were with him and Brett Radden. Um, so these guys were uh, line coaches that I was able to work um, side by side with each each day as well. So obviously learning a lot from the master in Clarko, but being able to sit side by side again uh, with guys that um, were really talented coaches as well was um, it just felt like I was learning every day, and and to be to be fair, right now I feel like I'm doing exactly the same thing. I feel like I, I learn every day, and I'm um, learning off Goody and and Troy Chaplin and Greg Stafford, and um, each day. So um, yeah, really enjoying my time here. So yeah, like I said, really grateful for my time at the Hawks, but loving what I'm doing now. Win a couple more flags with us, um, Adam, and then yeah, free to go get a senior gig <laughs> at another club. <laughs> Or take no. over from Goody. Yeah, I'll take or take over from Goody's succession plan. No, that's, not happening. that's not happening. So, <laughs> um, uh, perhaps just before we let you go, you proudly wore the number thirteen uh, Guernsey for most of your career. There's a bloke who wears that number now who goes all right. Uh, may I ask you? Uh, Who's the better player, Clary or the Ooze? Oh, well, that's not a. That's <laughs> not even. A, 
He's an amazing player. Isn't he? Um, and I, and it, and to be fair, he's he's from uh, close to where I'm from. He's from Rootner, and um, I kept an eye on him from from afar, even when I, from when I retired. So, um, yeah, some of the things Clayton does, oh, I can't coach. Um, he, he's just a super talent um, with an amazing will to win. Um, yeah, he's he's gone from a an overweight uh, under eighteen player to a um, yeah, really diligent guy that trains so hard um, and is a master at, at his craft. So, um, yeah, he's, he's a he's a he's a delight to coach, and um, yeah, I think I think he can. He's still got a, a fair bit of improvement in him as well. So, hopefully, he can kick a few more goals and um, really round out his game. And he's really getting good distance with, like, he's really driving the ball forward now, isn't he? That's the thing that one yeah, of the changes in yeah. his game. And he knows that, and that's a, and that's why he's such a good player. He, he could see that the growth in his game could be uh, pushing forward and hitting the scoreboard more. And he he he, he obviously watches a, a fair bit of footy and, and compares himself to different players. And he knows the good midfielders can hit the scoreboard. So, and it's not only as a midfielder he can go down and play forward. And and as a kid, he was a really good mark of the ball. So, um, yeah, we we expect him to be able to grow his game every every year. And he and he and he walks in and does that every day. Adam, we want to thank you for your time tonight. Thank you for the joy and excitement you brought Demon fans throughout your playing career, uh, from the freakish goals to the silky left foot passes to the spectacular speckies. Uh, your career was littered with uh, many memorable highlights. And to top it off, uh, you returned to the fold and helped to deliver us a premiership. So thank you, Adam. We really appreciate everything you've done at and for the club. And thank you again for your time tonight. No worries, guys. Anytime. That was former Demon player and current Premiership assistant coach Adam Uze. If this is your first time listening to the podcast and you like what you heard, please subscribe to our regular weekly podcast where we do a deep dive and analyse the latest match and then preview the upcoming game. You can find us on your favourite Apple or Android podcasting app. If you are a regular listener, please leave us a favourable review so more people can find the podcast And if you love talking about the demons, head over to demonland.com and chat with other diehard demon fans. Go Demons!